0: you so that you'll begin to produce something for the kingdom of God other than just getting up in the morning and going to bed at night and coming to church a couple of times a week and sitting a few minutes he wants us to be productive out there he wants us to be a witness out there we you know you say well man, I don't know if i can do that or not i just can't talk about the lord to anybody No, but you didn't talk about ball games to anybody. You didn't talk about your children to anybody. And you didn't especially talk about your grandchildren to anybody. Now, y'all don't shout me down because I'm preaching good because we know it's the truth. We get the Word of God in us, folks, and we can tell people about Jesus, and that's what he's talking about here. But we get a little bit of Word, and then we turn right back and let it get choked down by the things that comes up in this life, and we need to move on from that. Now, and here's the thing about it. In this parable here, this explanation, he's not talking about lazy people. Lazy people, it's not what he's talking about. Now, he's talking about people that are distracted People that's not taking care of the garden, my, my good friend, Brother Proctor, has taken a church up in Tennessee, and he's driving back and forth, and it's about 100 miles from his house. And we were eating lunch together on, on Friday, and we got talking about gardening, and he said, uh, I said, boy, I, I can't wait to plant my garden this year. And he said, well, I, I don't know if I'll get to have one or not. But once somebody else spoke up and said, well, you can have one in Tennessee. I said, yeah, you can have one at your house you can take care of while you're there and one in Tennessee you can take care of while you're there. And he said, the only problem with that is there'd be two gardens that'd be grown up wouldn't be able to take care of either one of them. What sense does it make to plant a garden and not take care of it? Now, you know, in my garden, let's see, I think I'm ready for this now. <laughs> in my garden, I've never had to plant weed seeds never have. I've never had to go out there and plant a morning glory, and boy, those things come up and it just gets all over me. I don't like them. I don't think they're pretty at all. That's my opinion, okay? But I've never planted one in my garden. I've never planted a bit of of Bermuda grass in my garden. Not one seed of Johnson grass have I ever planted in my garden. But I'm telling you this, that when I plant my garden and it starts coming up, if I don't take time to take care of it, those things take that garden over. Now, I I said that to say this to you. Folks, we don't have to plant the cares of this life. They're already there. They're out there all the time. They're always coming and, and they're mounting uh, up on us. And we don't have to plant the cares of this life, but it seems like that more of us are cultivating the cares of this life than we are cultivating the Word of God that's been planted in our heart. And we've got we to change that around. We need to turn that attitude of worldliness and get our minds back on the things of God. We need to, like it says in Colossians chapter 3, if you then be risen with Christ, set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. Because Christ sits at the right hand of God, and that's where our, our thoughts, and that's where our communication, that's where our lifestyle ought to come from, is directly from the right hand of God, and it does through this Word and not on things of this life. And don't let anybody catch you up in this thing. Oh, you have to watch it. Being in the Word so much, you'll get be you'll get so heavenly minded. You're of no earthly good. I've had people tell me that. But the thing I found out, and especially about me, if I don't watch it, I become so earthly minded. I'm no heavenly use. And now that's what he's talking about here. And and what happens then? The cares, <clears throat> the cares of this life, in the Amplified Bible here describes it as anxious, anxious cares, anxiety creeping in and, and getting a hold of people. Now folks, that ought not to be for Christian people, but we end up letting that happen to us simply because that we're not taking care of the garden. Somebody needs to do some hoeing and some plowing in their garden to get some of this junk down and out of the way. We have to find time to do this. See, the cares, the idea of cares, when you see the word cares here, it's the idea of distractions. Isn't that, and isn't that what we've got a lot of? Distractions. We want to we read the Word of God. And we get the Bible. and We start, boy, I want to read the Word of God. Then all of a sudden this idea comes, you need to go do this right now. Maybe you need to go turn that dishwasher on. I'll go turn the dishwasher on and I'll come back and I'll read the Bible. You know, that dishwasher can wait ten minutes. Can't. That clothes that dryer, it can wait a few minutes before you turn it on. That TV show can wait a while. I mean, they've got TVs now to where you don't have to be there when it starts. Just mash a button, go about what you want to do, and come back, mash a button, and it goes back to the start. You know? You don't have to be there when it starts, but we let things distract us. We plan around the things of this life. We let, we let work distract us, so the cares of work, and, and work is a legitimate care. I wrote down some cares here that we, that we get wrapped up in. There are many of them. There's family cares, physical cares, that's our, our, our ailments, work cares, people work, they bring work home and they, they're thinking about it all the time, school cares, children just get all nervous about school and about tests and about studying. And, and then along with that is our career cares. Young people, uh, you know, they, they, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And they just get all in a tither about what they're going to do when they get out of school and, and all of these things. Then there's food and shelter cares. We all want to fit in that every now and then, don't we? Because we've got to have food, we've got to have shelter, but I'll address that in just a minute. There's transportation cares, automobiles. Anybody ever have an automobile that never gave you one minute's trouble? So there's cares. There's keeping gas in it, keeping all it, keeping it serviced, and things of this nature. Money cares. Money cares. It seemed like for the majority of people, there's never enough money. Y'all with me? Uh, entertainment cares. We and we're just looking at all of these things and seeing all of these things, and and we wonder, we wonder. Why don't I ever have time for the Word of God when we're so involved in so much? That's the reason I said that the people he's talking about here were not lazy people. They were just distracted and running 90 miles an hour like he said earlier, and at everything going on, and they're running in the wrong direction, and the Word of God's just sitting here waiting, letting the cares of this life, the thorns, and everything just grow up around it because we don't have time to get in the Word of God. It's no wonder that we don't understand. It's no wonder that we don't uh, that we don't have faith. It's no wonder that we don't see things that we read about in the Bible. It's no wonder we don't see the blind eyes open and and, and the deaf ears to hear and, and the mute to speak and the lame to walk. It's no wonder we don't do that because we have got to the point to where that faith and the Word of God comes down the line and we've got this other stuff that we've got to do first and we've got to go with that you look in your bulletin, it says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Walk by faith and not by sight. Why? Because that's the only way we're going to make it in this life, folks. It's the only way we're going to, is to begin to apply ourselves full time to the Word of God. Now, you can take the Word of God with you everywhere you go, if we're not ashamed of it. I said if we're not ashamed of it. He talks about the cares, the distractions, the allurements of this world. Talking about this world system, the political system, the financial system, these things. Folks, can I tell you this? The political and financial systems of this world are doomed to failure. Why worry about something that's going to fail? Because we can't do it any good. We can't turn it around for worrying about it. In Luke chapter 12, I want to read verses 22 through 32, and I want you to get a hold of this. Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 32. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat, neither for your body what you shall put on. Now, the, the thought here where it says take no thought is talking about anxiously. Thought. Talking about getting to the point that well, you know, we gotta get our children new clothes because they're not dressing nice like everybody else is and you know we gotta do that. Hey, I'm thankful that whenever we grew up that we only worried about getting them a pair of shoes whenever those got too small. Our children didn't have multiple pairs of shoes. That now if they played sports they had a pair of shoes for that used for other things. But anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. What I'm saying is if we get so concerned and, and wrapped up in that th- kind of thing. He said in verse 23, the life is more than meat and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens. Another place it says, consider the sparrows. And I thought, is there any resemblance between sparrows and ravens? Well, sparrows are considered a clean bird. They're considered nice and everything's okay. A raven's a dirty bird. It is. It's, I mean, it's forbidden in the Bible. You need a lot of stuff, but in the Bible, ravens are forbidden to be, no crow. Can you imagine eating no crow? Well, I'd be mighty hungry, wouldn't you? That'd have to be the last resort. I don't know. I might fight him over what he's eating before I'd fight to eat a crow. But But here's their resemblance. For they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouses nor barns, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls of the air? How much better are we than that? And which of you by taking thought can add to his stature one cubit? We can't grow by worrying. don't work that way. If you then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they sow, they grow, they toil not, they spend not, and yet I say unto you that Solomon knowledge was not arrayed like one of these. If God then so clothed the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more shall He clothe ye, O ye of little faith? See, it don't take big faith to get what we need. That little faith that you feel like you've got, if you'll turn the worries and cares over to God, that little faith to produce the things you need in this life and then your faith will begin to grow. For for all these things do the nations of the world seek after this world system. This is what they're after. This is what they're looking for. And your Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But rather, seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek the kingdom of God. Seek the word of the kingdom. And all the promise that's in the next verse, fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Folks, God's not withholding from us. We need to realize that. He's not withholding from us. We're just allowing the things of this life to grow up to where we're not able to be in the place to receive the blessing of Almighty God because we're not producing the fruit that we need to. Then he talked about the deceitfulness of riches. That which gives a false impression. See, this all adds right into that worldliness. And I I thought about this worldliness is the spirit of childhood carried over into adulthood. Think about that. A a little child, it's all about them and what they want. I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. I I know, maybe, I I told you all about many years ago, we were at at a store in Decatur that's not around Hills, I think it was. It used to be a big department store. It used to be in Decatur. We were there, and it was right at Christmas. And I was standing out waiting on them to get through shopping. I was standing out in the little Best of you place of it. And here comes this woman dragging this little boy. And he was touching everything that he could get his hands on. I want, I want, I want. And she said, come on right now. If you don't come on, I'm going to pull your arm off and beat you with it. The little boy, just as calm as everything, said, with the bloody end, Mom. <laughs> That's the way we are. Won't, 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 won't. Give me, give me, give me, give me. It's me, 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 me. And they learn that as little babies. And you know, we help that a whole lot because we rush to do it. We rush to do it. We rush to do it. And rightly so when they're little. But there's where it comes in training children. Helping them grow. Helping them know. Helping them understand. Explaining to them the Word of God. Explaining to them the way that it needs to be instead of giving them something to get them out of your hair for a while. Thank you for that big amen. Amen. Worldliness is the spirit of childhood carried over into adulthood. And I thought about this that I've heard before: the difference between men and boys is the price of their toys. That's, that's boy, that's not much difference, is it? We we as adults we still want toys, don't we? Hmm. Come on, women do too. I mean, you know, we want we want. That's the spirit of worldliness that we've got to get away from. Somebody was talking yesterday. We were talking at the, at the ball game. About uh, wants and needs, and and I said, you know, we have to qualify the. There's a fine line sometimes between wants and needs, very fine line, and I, and sometimes those wants cross over into needs before they're supposed to, and they they overcome our needs, and we're following our wants instead of taking care of our needs, right? But there's nothing wrong with us having wants. And wanting things and dreams and ideas, but they cannot supersede our needs and taking care of the things that needs to be took care of to just to have something that we can play with. And there's nothing wrong with having those kind of things. I'm not trying to preach myself out of getting a pontoon boat. I'll have one one day, but it's sitting right here right close to that line of moving from want to need. Okay? And it's going to cross over there one of these days, and I'm going to get one. I will. This spring. (laughs) Right, dear? (laughs) The rich young ruler was deceived by his riches, wasn't he? I mean, he had all the riches. And Jesus told him, said, well, if if you want to be perfect, if you want to get to the place where you need to be, go sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. He wasn't trying to make the boy poor. He was showing him a better way to use what he had. But he had much wealth. He had much riches. And he bowed his head and went away sorrowfully. Why? Because he was deceived into thinking that if I've got all of these riches, I've got everything that I need in life. And you may have everything you need in life. But what about for eternity? I read a story of, a, of one great uh, king explorer in, in, in centuries ago had a big boatload of gold and he was in the ocean. He took that gold and throwed it into the ocean and he said, Gold, I'm burying you before you bury me. Deceitfulness of riches. The results... Folks, I'm going to try to let y'all out about 1 o'clock, I promise. The results... Y'all know I always hold up to what I say when I'm preaching, Right? It chokes the Word. It chokes it. It strangles it. It, 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 it gets it to where it can't do anything. It, it strangles the thoughts. It strangles the desire. And, and it becomes unfruitful. Becomes unfruitful. Now what this means to me is it shows a process taking place. Just because you go to a ball game don't mean that the Word of God is going to start just not being anything in your life. If all you do is living for a ball game, folks, that's when the Word of God quits functioning in your life. I believe we can have a ball game and have the Word of God too with the right way. Just like anything, I believe I can go fishing and not lose anything from the Word of God. I believe I can go hunting and not lose anything from the Word of God. I believe that. And if, if I wanted to play ball, I believe I could play ball without losing anything. But when these things become an obsession, and this is what I want, whatever it is, in any way that you go at it, I believe you can watch television and still have the Word of God, but when TV becomes an obsession, A lot of things happen. Your mind gets idled, and then you begin to receive the junk that's on the TV and that crushes the Word of God out. The thoughts becomes unfruitful, barren, not yielding what it ought to. Worrying about the things of this life is not going to change a thing in this life. The cares are still going to be there. You can sit the rest of the day. You can go home and spend the rest of the day sitting in your recliner or laying in your bed worrying about tomorrow, and it's not going to change one thing about tomorrow, except it's going to change you to having a bad attitude about when tomorrow comes. Worrying is not going to change. See, uh, thoughts, I get a hold of, I'm fixing to give you some profound statements, and you need to get this. Thoughts are the thing we worry with. You don't worry with your hand, you don't worry with your feet. You worry with your thoughts. Your thoughts. And if you feed that, see, worry always brings negative thoughts. It, you, you picture how bad it's going to be. You get all these scenarios about what could happen and what's going to take place. Why? Because you're worrying about it. You're worrying about See, parents worry about their children so many times. And then and here's what happens. Every, every time a siren goes off, I wonder if that's you know, you see the police car go flying. I wonder if they're after my kid. You worry. You worry about it. They cough one time. Oh my 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 my. You know, you, you may have the whooping cough. See, we worry, and that don't change a thing. That don't help anything. It makes the situation worse. It explodes and it and makes it bigger, to where that when you finally do face that giant and he sticks up his ugly head, what you want to do is run from it and wonder what in the world has gone on. Why, why do I deserve this kind of treatment? You know, y'all, y'all come on now. Thoughts, imaginations, purposes. It's the employment of the mind and thinking activity. But when we look at it in the positive sense, it should lead to the creation of new ideas. Not negative ideas, but new ideas. How this can be done. How I can take care of this. How this will work. What's God doing here? And how can I function under the control of God? New ideas. Lord, help me to to think on you. Help me to follow you. Help me to, to see you. Help me to have these ideas about what creative ideas. I'd preach to you about stopping worrying if you'd let me. Would you like to know how to stop worrying? You say, Preacher, what do you mean stop worrying? You're going to stop your thoughts? No, you cannot stop your thoughts. You cannot stop thoughts from coming. But you're the one that decides which thoughts you're going to think of and think about and keep letting come on in your mind. You control that. I can't control it. And and you, I can only control it in me. 2 Corinthians says that we're to bring every thought into captivity the obedience of Christ. Every thought. Every thought. And compare it with Him. Look at Him about these things. And that's the way that we're supposed to go. Now, the first thing that we need to learn to do is pray about every situation that comes up in life. Learn to do that. Now, I don't think you need to stand at the store, at the bread aisle, and pray and ask God to show you which bread to eat. I mean, there's some common sense about some things. Okay? You may have to stand at the checkout line and pray God will help you know how to pay for this, but but you don't have. But but what I'm saying, situations come up in life. Parents have situations with their children, and what they want to do is jump back and hand it like it was handled on me when I was growing up, and that may be okay, but it may not be. That may not be what God wants you to do in that situation. But we take the care of it. Take the care of a work situation, a school situation. A boyfriend girlfriend relationship, husband and wife situation, family situation. We take the care of that, and we need to pray about it. First Peter, chapter five, verse six and seven, gives us a clue as to how that we need to do this. He said, "Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time." You know what it means to humble yourself under the hand of God? That don't mean to sit around thinking, "Oh, poor isn't it me! I can't do nothing. I'm just so dumb and ignorant. And I just don't know." Lord, you just please help me. I'm just. Lost and on my way. No, 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 that's not humility. Humility is coming before God and saying, God, here's a situation I can't handle, but I know that you can, and I submit myself to you, Father God, and, and through your help and through your leadership, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Folks, that's humility. It's recognizing God for who He is and then standing in that, and God will exalt you in that thing. Well, the, and the best way to do that And your situation is cast the care of that over on the Lord. Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. He careth for you. You Folks, here's the thing about it. I cannot handle the cares of this life, but He can. Why? Because He cares for me. And He'll show me what to do in every situation, and I don't have to sit and worry and wonder and try to figure out something because I know He's taking care of me in the situation. You say, preach that, easy if you do because you're a preacher. Ha, 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 That's what I think about that thought. I'm people. Satan don't like me anymore and he don't like you. You don't think we don't have care? Folks, you take you take having the care of a home, having the care of all that's going on in this life and all of these things, and then add on top of that the care of the church. Because you see, I, I have the care of every one of you. Not that I'm trying to figure out your problem and tell you what to do with it, but the care of you in the sense that I'm responsible for you before Almighty God. Did you know that? That's the reason that you need to you need to be doing like you're supposed to be doing so that one day whenever I stand before God and give an account and he asks me about you and I don't think he will but I'm just telling you just get in your mind to help you understand and he asks me about you I can say God they were good and they were faithful you're supposed to you're supposed to be good obedient church people because as long as you're a part of this church I'm responsible for you I am. I'm responsible to guide you to teach you the word of God to show you the right way to go, and to and to cause you to begin to grow up. I'm responsible for you. And it hurts when I see you not doing what you ought to be doing. So you need to be doing it to keep me from being hurt and having so much care. That don't work, does it? That's like telling your child, you just don't know how bad it makes me feel when you do that. When I see you, you say, You know how bad it makes me feel when I see you do that and the child will say, well, quit looking. (laughs) Casting all your care daily, daily, all your care on Him because He cares for you. And we don't have to take it. And we know that God is with us and regardless of what may come or go, then, then I'm going to be following what God wants me to do. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing. Or anxious, it says here. 4-6. Sorry about that. I missed it, didn't I? Y'all know what it is. Be careful or be anxious for nothing. But in everything, I'm I'm quoting verse 6 now, you're not seeing it up here. But in everything, everybody say everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. What did He say to do with everything? He said, don't worry about it. Pray about it. Don't worry about it. Pray about it. We sang that old song in the church. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Beautiful song. Got a good message. We take our burdens to the Lord and bring them back with us. You know what happens on the way back from from getting them back from God? They get bigger. Why? Why? Because He said, bring me your burdens and take my burden. Because my burden's light, your burden's not light. And we need to pray about it. You know, I don't know how to pray. Yeah, you do. Pray to God just like you talk to somebody else. How do I know God will hear me? That's a good question. Proverbs 15.8 Proverbs 15.8 makes this statement. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. But the prayer of the upright is His delight. Wow. Jeremiah 33, 3. He made this promise to us. Call unto me. Pray. Look to me. Call unto me. And I will answer thee. What's he saying? You know why people don't hear from God? is because they're not talking to Him so many times. And I'll show thee. Not only will He hear us, but He'll show us what we need to know and great and mighty things that we don't know. We don't know things that we don't understand about. But God will show us. God will help us. But we've got to call on Him. Call on Him. How? Out of a pure heart. Call on Him standing in the righteousness that God has made us because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That's how I know He'll hear me. That's the reason I don't have any problem praying. Praying about situations. Because I know that God hears me. I was listening to a song the other day uh, as, as I was... Washing dishes. That's still my job at the house because her finger's not completely healed yet. At least the way she keeps telling me that it's not. <laughs> I was washing dishes and I was listening to this song and the song said, uh, Heaven Already Knows. I can't remember all the words, but it said, Heaven Already Knows because I've already prayed. And when I pray in faith, I know He hears me. Do you hear me? When I pray in faith, when I pray believing, I know He hears me. Then receive God's peace. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Receive God's peace. The peace of God that passes all understanding. Philippians 4, 7 now. (laughs) The peace of God that passes all understanding. I don't understand it. But I do know this. I, I, I understand this, that when I pray and give my burden to Him, give Him praise and thanksgiving for the answer, there's a peace that comes with that. I may not know the next step to take right then, but there's a peace that comes with that, and He will show me what I need to do. He'll show me. Hey, all i got to do is allow that peace in my life, to, to allow that peace to flow through me, to flow through my mind. And remember, the disciples were fixing to go through a real traumatic situation. Jesus was going to be taken from them, beaten, and going to be crucified and killed. And he turned to them and said this, Peace I leave unto you. Jesus, you about to be crucified. and you, My peace I live, I give unto you. My peace I leave with you. Not as the world that giveth, give I unto thee. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be a sight. Right. And then just a couple of chapters. That's John chapter 14, verse 27. And over in John chapter 16, verse 33, he said this to them. He said, I have said these things unto you so that in me you may have peace. Folks, you can have the peace of God in your life about any situation you're facing this morning. He said, I have said these things to you that in me you might have peace. He said, In this world you'll have tribulation, but don't fear, I have overcome the world. Folks, listen, we don't have to put up with all of this stuff and be beat down. We've got an outlet. And the outlet is Jesus Christ. And then when we allow the peace of God to come, the next thing, Philippians 4, eight is we need to change our thinking. Get rid of the I can't acts. Get rid of the I didn't, I won't. And start thinking differently. Think differently about our bodies. Think differently about our mind. Listen, folks, you can be different, but it's up to you to begin to think the right kind of thoughts. You know, and I say this, I'm going to say it, for a long time probably I made a decision on New Year's Eve I didn't make a resolution but I made a decision that I was going to quit eating candy and cake cookies and things of that nature I made that decision I didn't make a New Year's resolution I made that decision well here I am five weeks later and I can tell you that I'm still that way you know why? because I asked God to help me with this and he's helped me and changed my taste buds I even like celery now yeah yeah I used to couldn't even stand to smell it, but I like celery and cucumbers. You know, they're okay. But what I'm saying is this. I had to change my thinking. And instead of sitting here saying, I can't make it without Reese's peanut butter cups. I'm not getting to eat cake and all this stuff. But I'm like, man, look at all the stuff I do get to eat. You know, that's my thoughts now. I don't sit around and wonder about what I can't eat. I'm excited about what I can't eat. And as of this last Wednesday, I've lost 11 pounds this year. And uh, one of my short-term goals was to get my belly back inside my belt, and I've nearly accomplished that. But you've got to change your thinking about this stuff. He said in Philippians chapter 4, 8, Finally, brethren, after you have given your care to the Lord, after you have come to Him with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, after you have allowed the peace of God to flood your being." Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. All of those things, folks, that is a solution to the problems and the, and the remedy for the care that you took to the Lord. You need to do it. And then talk it that way. Talk it that way. Don't go around telling when people come along. And say, "How you know? Oh man, I, you just wouldn't know what's going on in my life." Quit that. You didn't turn that over to the Lord. And then what you need to do is share with them what's going on in your life. I had a problem, but I turned it over to God. Boy, the peace of God is just so sweet. Did the problem go away? No, it's there, but God's in control of this thing now, and it definitely will. Talk it. Talk it. When you talk, I got something. You got to get a hold of this. You know, I'll talk about confession a whole lot. When you talk the things of God, it's written in a book of remembrance before the Lord, and the Lord remembers that. You believe that? Malachi chapter four, and then verse sixteen. Verse chapter three. I'm sorry, Malachi chapter three, verse sixteen. I want to share this with you. This is why it's so important for us to talk the solution, talk the Word of God, talk the positive talk about the things of God and what God's doing is because of this right here. Then those who fear the Lord, reverence and respect the Lord, talk often to one another. And the Lord listened to it and heard it And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who reverenced and worshipfully feared the Lord and who thought on his name. Mm. Hey, I'm in the book of life. My name's written in the book of life with the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm in the book of life. I'll tell you something, I'm in the book of remembrance also. Why? Because the things that I say in glorifying Him, the things that I say as I'm as I'm standing in faith and speaking faith words over these problems and these situations, they're being wrote down in the book of Remembrance. And it says right here that this comes up before God. And folks, God is going to bring these things to pass. He said that which you speak in secret is going to be revealed openly. It's not just talking about bad things. It's talking about the times you're in that bedroom and there's no one else around and you're on your knees calling out to God over a situation and you turn that thing to Him and nobody knows that but you He said that it's going to be made public one of these days the answer will come and people will see the glory of God in your life hallelujah save by faith live by faith die by faith go to heaven by faith folks our life is a faith life amen y'all stand to your feet just now thank you Jesus Oh, blessed be God. Now, to begin with, if you're not born again, or if you've been born again and grown cold about that, you're not where you need to be with God, the next step of faith that you need to take, or maybe the first one, that step is by coming and believing in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confessing with your mouth that he's Lord. With the heart, you believe the righteousness. The mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And then he said this. If you're not where you need to be with God, it's because sins got in there somewhere. It's nice as I know how to be about it, okay? But he said if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And when he cleanses,